Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 28. Today, we're going to be talking about unit testing. But first, Pippin, what have you been up to, man? Uh, the last week or so was mostly involved with uh, getting Affiliate P version 1.3 out which was a big release that Andrew and I have been working on for uh, a couple of months. I think we pushed out 1.2 around July. Maybe maybe it was August. So we've had a, a couple of months to work on getting some new features out, and we finally got it all finished, and we're pretty pleased with it. It cool. was a pretty large release that had some, some highly requested features in it. Like uh, People really wanted pretty affiliate URLs. So instead of something like yoursite.com question mark ref equals three, it would just be yoursite.com slash ref slash Brad Tanar. Right. And that would be an affiliate link. So we got those put in. Uh, we got some, we added uh, affiliate coupon tracking to iThemes Exchange. So instead of requiring like an affiliate URL, you can now, uh, if you redeem a coupon that's connected to an affiliate, that affiliate will automatically get a commission on that sale, even though there, uh, no, no affiliate URL was used. Uh, we added a, uh, a new integration for Gravity Forms. So if you're using Gravity Forms to sell stuff, uh, you can now, we can, you can send someone th- through an affiliate link to your purchase form, and then it'll track that and it'll create a referral based on that if it's valid. Uh, we had, we've had a, uh, Gravity Forms integration since version 1.0, but it was kind of, it was kind of a workaround. It wasn't a really good integration because there was some missing hooks uh, in the Gravity Forms plugin. And, uh, Alex and the other developers over at Rocket Genius got those put in for us, so we were able to finally get that release pushed out, which was nice. Uh, beyond that, we got EDD 2.16 pushed out. Uh, that actually happened this morning. That fixed a couple of minor but important bugs, and uh, that's been pretty much my last week, and now moving on to the next things. Cool. How about you? Uh, we've been cracking away at the next release of Migrate DB Pro. Um, it's crazy. This release has like quadruple the number of issues in GitHub than the previous release. Is that just because you're adding a bunch of new features or because you, you keep finding things that you need to work on or improve elsewhere in the code base? That's the funny thing. When we do a release with a bunch of new features, it's like smaller, way smaller. Usually it's like, you know, four or five lines in the, in the, uh, in the change log, right? But when we do one of these releases where we're cleaning things up and we're fixing bugs and just, you know, we we had like a scrutinizer CI, we cleaned up all the issues with that. And like the, the report that we get from scrutinizer CDI with all the little problems that it identifies. And it just, there's just so many things and they're not all like little things either. Some of them are big compatibility issues with, that we had an issue with WP Engine that we've solved. And yeah, there's just, a lot of different things, little things. So it's not even a major release, but it it feels like it was a lot of work, you know. Um, so it's one of those those ones. Have you ever had one of those yourself? Any, I have. I yeah. actually had that um, probably the first time I turned on Scrutinizer CI for EDD. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because it, it goes through Scrutinizer CI, for anybody who's not aware of it, kind of goes through and scrutinizes your code base. It looks for unused variables, for typos. Uh, code duplication, tons of things like that. Uh, the first time I ran it, it reported something like 500 issues. Yeah. Now, 
those issues could be large or small. Like they might just be like, oh, you have a variable here and you've defined it twice in a big chunk of code. Or it could be a, a misnamed variable. But so a lot of times the issues are really, really minor. Right. But it's still like there were so many of them. So Dan and I spent uh, a good few hours just going through and like fixing all the ones that we could or f figuring out ones that we needed to, even if we needed to fix them or we could just ignore them. Right. Uh, but, like a but lot we of had them, the exact same experience. Yeah. A lot of those issues with Scrutinizer, like cosmetic, you know, kind of yeah. like code formatting stuff. But yeah, every once in a while, you'll see one that's like, oh, well, we got to rework all this to get this fixed. Yeah. We found a couple <laughs> of legitimate bugs through it too, as well as we found several areas that we had a lot of code duplication that we could just clean up. Right. Yeah. It's a really cool tool. It is. I, I love Scrutinizer. It's, it's great. Um, so yeah, we've been working on that, and so that's getting really close to release, just a few other things uh, to fix up. And we've also been working, uh, starting to work on uh, the Amazon uh, Web Services plugins uh, that we have. Well, we've, we've got two. We've just got the, the core plugin that has the libraries, and then the uh -huh. S3 and CloudFront plugin. And uh, we're getting getting that all cleaned up, the, the free version of it cleaned up, and, and then we're going to start working on the pro version, which will just be uh, an extension of that of that plugin. So I just, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I've been working on the UI for it because that's one of the things, that's, that's one of the problems with it. It's, it's just kind of confusing, the, the settings screen. And so I, I've been working on, on that a bit. I posted, posted on Twitter, see, see what people thought, and so far so good. Uh, good, good, some good feedback. So very cool. Yeah. So unit testing, man. What what's that so, all about? So unit tests are really pretty cool. It's okay. So for anyone who doesn't know, a unit test is is a is a tool that we use in development to test small chunks of our code. So let's say that you have a function, and that function performs a calculation and returns a result you might have a unit test that tests that whether that function is working properly. So you basically say, here is the function that I have. Here's the value I want it or expect it to return. Now tell me if it does. So a unit test is basically testing the smallest unit, the, the smallest chunks of code that we can. Uh, and it's a really powerful tool in development because it's one of those, it's like having someone watching your back. So if you write unit tests for all of your code, and if you run them anytime uh, you push out a release or if every time you commit to your code base, uh, you can have it basically do an automatic check throughout, throughout all of your code to see if things are still working the same way that they are. Uh, it's really, really useful, and it's something that helps you get better and better at development. For one, because you have to learn how to write testable code. Uh, so anybody who doesn't really know what unit tests are, I know that that little explanation wasn't great. Um, check out phpunit.com and also just the Wikipedia page on unit tests because every single programming language, or the, uh, not necessarily everyone, but a lot of them have unit tests. PHP unit is one of the primary tools that we'll use inside of PHP. Right. So, so, the, so why? So I think the reason why unit testing is important is that if you do a refactor of a function, for example, and there's a unit test for that function in place, and you refactor the function, 
and you don't change any of the outputs of the function. You're just refactoring it maybe for cosmetic purposes or maybe you're refactoring it so that it's easier for people to understand what the function is doing. But you're not really changing what what the function is input the inputs or the outputs of the function. Uh, and then you you commit that and you run your unit tests and the unit test complains because it's some test is failing, right? On that. Right. That's awesome because you didn't catch that in your own testing or your visual inspection of the code, but your unit test just said, caught it. So yep. that's let a me, very, very simple example. Um, but it, it's, here, let me it's, give a quick example that, um, for people that aren't necessarily familiar, might be a little bit, um, help. Uh, let's say, okay, so I work in e-commerce a lot. So this is something that definitely applies to me, but let's say we have a function that calculates your tax rate and just to do some really simple math. Let's say that your your tax rate is 10% and your purchase, your pre-tax amount is $100. So on 10% tax, that means our final total should be $110. So what we can have is we can have a really simple function. Let's just say we have a function that says calculate tax on, on subtotal. So that function should return $10 on $100 purchase if our tax rate is 10 so one of the things that we can do with unit tests is have a test that tests whether or not that function actually does return $10. So one thing you might do is say, okay, function, I have a $100 purchase. What is the tax on it? Here's $100. Do I get 10 back? Yes, I do. Excellent. My test is working. What if I pass it 100.01? Do I still get $10? Because we have to think about rounding. Mm -hmm. What if I pass it $100 and... Zero 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 five seven cents. Do I still get ten dollars back? And so one of the things that a, a unit test can be really really helpful here for is seeing if your function to calculate your tax returns the same expected value even when you pass it a whole bunch of different uh, different numbers. So if you pass it ninety, do you get nine? If you pass it eighty, do you get eight? Um, and then you could try changing things up. Like what if you set a tax rate of nine point five percent? Do you still get $9.50 on a $100 purchase? Right. That's where unit tests can be really, really helpful, um, especially in things like e-commerce when, when rounding. Maybe you're not always rounding to two, to two decimal places. If you're selling with Bitcoin, you're rounding to eight decimal places. So having unit tests to set up these functions that are doing these calculations are really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really great example, actually, because I mean, and that really illustrates like all the different scenarios that you could end up with for well, that. One. I can't even tell you the number of times that like we've pushed out an update and then somebody comes back and like, oh, the tax isn't calculated right now, and it turns out because we were rounding, a, we were rounding the decimal places too early or too late or something like that. Right. And that's where your unit tests really help you. Right. Cool. If you take the time to set them up. So, <laughs> speaking of that. Brad, how do you go about getting unit tests set up? How do you get started? Um, I think WPCLI is probably the best way to get started. Um, we can link this up in the show notes, but if you yeah. Google search uh, WPCLI unit testing, uh, they have a really nice little guide to really you know, get started in a few command line commands you know yeah it, um, i used it really recently and it's excellent yeah yeah so that i would recommend 
just going through that, just, you know, use the sample plugin that they have and just run it and just kind of get a feel for it. See what, you know, see what it feels like, see what it's like. And then I'm sure there's plenty of tutorials out there. There's probably screencasts too. Is there any that you would recommend Pippin while you're investigating this? Um, Well, along with uh, the one from uh, WPCLI, Curtis McHale's been doing a series on it recently, uh, which has been really good. Uh, Brian Richards is getting ready to do a unit testing series on WP Sessions. I'm not sure if he started that or not yet. Um, I've been doing a little and a you, small series And you have been doing a series. From my side, too. <laughs> yeah, so I've been doing a small series. Like Basically, I wanted to step back to the basics and, and look at like how do we get unit tests set up. Uh, here's step one. I don't know what WP CLI is. Okay, let's get that set up. I don't know what PHP unit is. Let's get that set up. And right, it's specific right. to setting so it up. So two steps one. backward for one step forward. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's on my site, uh, and that's free for everyone. It's on the homepage right now. Um, and that actually uses the, uh, the tutorial from WP CLI is used pretty heavily in mine. So you're going to see both of those if you go there. Um, another one is like once you start playing with it, uh, if you get WPCLI up and running, uh, which is really pretty easy as long as you're on either Linux or Mac, it's a little bit more difficult on Windows. Mm. Um, but once you get up and going, go and look at other plugins that have unit test. Look at WordPress core and just kind of see what they're testing. See how they're writing their unit test um, and things like that because that's really going to help. I think one of the issues that people run into a lot with unit test is like they're like, great, I have my unit test set up. Now what do I do? Right, um, because it turns out that you can't just because you've written a plugin does not necessarily mean that it's written in a way that makes unit test possible. You have to be able to write testable code. Mm-hmm. Brad, what would you say are some of the main things that determine whether or not you have testable code? Um, what are some, maybe some just main tips? Yeah, this is it's funny because I I find WordPress is actually pretty bad. Uh, code to be unit tested because of its use of global variables. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what you want is uh, all of your inputs coming into the function through an argument or several arguments uh, in the in the function. I, I find that makes it a lot easier to know what's coming in and then know what's going out. Um, but there's definitely ways around it. I mean, the way the way WordPress unit tests are set up, it sets the globals before it runs the test. Um, but it's just it's just a little bit harder to know what globals that you need to set to to test that function, right? Yeah. Um, so so I mean, you you're writing your own code. You can you can control that yourself. So um, I would I would suggest trying to avoid using global global variables as much as possible. I think uh, another one. Uh, Andrew Nason has a great post about about all of that, actually. Um, he does. I'll have to link it up in the show notes. I think, he, I think he might have done a WordCamp presentation on it, too. Which, if he did, is probably on Apple TV. Or, sorry, not Apple TV, WordPress TV. Yeah. We'll link um, that one up if, if we can find it. I think a great plugin to look at uh, as an example of how to write testable code is BBPress. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, so why is that? So the reason, uh, okay. So when you write when you're writing code, if you want to write code that's testable, you have to have a return value, pretty much, uh, in general. So you have a function that returns a value. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people will do is they they might write functions that echo values right. as well, just yep. like display functions. Uh, so 
think of a WordPress example, uh, the title or the content are, are functions that display and, and output the value. They don't return it to a variable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have options too, like there's parameters you can pass. But in order to write a test, you have to have a function that will return a value because you're going to say something like expected value is this. You're going to call a function. My Or sorry, uh, the, tr the value I have is this. You're going to call a function. And then you're going to say my expected value is this. And you have to be able to compare them. You can't necessarily do that if it's if it's actually displaying it. So the reason I think BBPress is a really great example is because it is extremely consistent in having uh, get functions and display functions. Right. So it has a function anytime it like displays the title of a support uh, of a topic. It has BBP get topic title, BBP the topic title, uh, and it has that for every single function throughout the entire code base. And if you can get into that kind of habit, uh, it's going to make testing your code a lot easier. Right. When we were setting up the unit test for easy digital downloads, we actually ran into an issue. We have uh, a small REST API in the plugin. And we realized that we'd actually written the entire API in such a way that we couldn't write a single unit test on it <laughs> because of the way that it was getting all of the data and doing things like that. Uh, and that was kind of frustrating because then we had to go back and rework it. Uh, and it's still not entirely testable. Right. And another, like when I said global variables, I mean, that really encompasses all globals, including post variables, right? So instead of, instead of having the post variable, like, you know, dollar sign, underscore, P-O-S-T, using that variable, instead of doing that, maybe you put that variable into your function through a parameter instead. I find that. That's that's something that I see a lot that makes it just it's a lot harder to test because in your in your unit test then you have to set the post variable and it just looks weird to me like it just it just seems a little ugly to me. Yeah, honest. I find one of the the more difficult things to the test and unit test are uh, like logged in user behavior. Right, is pretty difficult to test uh, you're because you're setting cookies a... and stuff. Is that yeah? Right, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be perfectly clean, your unit tests. There's going to be ugliness to them like that because you're emulating. You're basically emulating, you know, real world, somebody using a browser, right, to 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 run your code, right? You're, you're kind of emulating that uh, in some scenarios. Isn't there, isn't there ways in, in uh, the PHP unit framework to test output, like to like search for a string within the output? Isn't yeah. There, uh, ways to do that. The way, I don't know if it's the way the the proper way to do it, um, but what I've always done is just use output buffers. Right. So what you can do, like if you have a function uh, that outputs a value instead of returning a value, uh, you can set up an output buffer before you actually run the function. So you start the output buffer, run the function, and then uh, capture get, get the, capture, capture the uh, contents of the output content, buffer, and yeah. then look at that. Yeah. So what we've done in our EDD unit test quite a bit uh, on some of those, like we have tests that that are related to template files. Right. And so we want to check and see whether or not like the content of our template file came in properly. Right. And so what we'll do is we'll set up the output buffer, capture the output in that buffer, store that in a variable, and then look to see whether or not like there's a valid HTML string there. Right. Not so, super clean, but it does work. So an example of that would be like in EDD, you might want to test the the receipt, which is pretty important, the email right. receipt 
template, I guess yeah, would that's be exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty important that people get the correct receipt, right? So <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what are the pro like, what are the challenges with, with unit tests? Like, you know, you, so you, you write them as you're coding and then, you know, sometimes you might forget to write them, right? Like, yeah. does that happen with you guys? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges is keeping your unit test up to date. So every unit test is great. And every unit test that you get added, like, is, is awesome. Every test you can add is great. If you can add five tests, great. If you can have 100 tests, even better. But what's hard is keeping your code base and your test in sync. So it's really easy to, like, write a function or write a new class or something like that and not writing a unit test for it. Just be like, okay, we're gonna commit this, we're done, and we'll write tests for it later. But what yeah. happens then is that <laughs> that code usually doesn't ever get unit tests written for it. Right. Um, so I don't know what WordPress core or other major projects ha that have unit tests on them have in terms of their overall code coverage, but it's usually really, really low. Yeah. I think EDD, we were thrilled when we managed to pass 40% code coverage. And now I think we're back down to maybe 30%. Right. Huh. Uh, and, and in this case, for anyone who doesn't know, code coverage would be like the, the percentage of our code that is covered by a test. So if you have 100 functions, if you have 30 of them covered, you would have basically a 30% code coverage. Um, hmm. And so it's really, it can be really hard to, to keep your code base up to date. Something that I found that helps a lot was to always, like, just kind of have a mentality that says, if we write a new function or we write a new class, it does not get committed until there's a unit test to go along with it. Wow. Okay. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guarantee you it doesn't happen. But at least have the mentality that says we should be doing this. Yeah. I mean that's what that's what we've pledged to do. I remember I wrote the I wrote the email that said, you know, okay, we're gonna hold each other accountable, you know, during our code review process. If you notice that there's not a unit test accompanying the pull request, you know blow the sound the alarm and, and send it back to the developer to, to make sure yeah. that we get code coverage there. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's so hard to stick to it, you know, when you're it's, kind of trucking along slinging code, right? Um, uh, WordPress core has been getting really good at that in terms of like requiring unit test with all new changes. Uh, yeah. since maybe it was, maybe it was sometime during 4.0 or 3.9, but especially like Scott Taylor, has been amazing with basically saying we're going to have a unit test with every single update. Uh, so, so what was happening there? Was he be, did he become like the the unit testing police? Was he like going around to issue? Uh, I think I think he just decided to take it on himself to say I want to improve our unit test. Right, but I mean, oh, okay. So he was writing the tests, was he? Well, okay. he was doing both. So he was writing the tests, but also like if somebody submitted a patch. Right. He would go in and say, hey, it would be really awesome if we could get unit tests along with this patch. That's probably what, encouraging that's, people to do it. Yeah, that's probably what we need in our team. We need like someone to own it. Like as like mm -hmm. I'm like the unit testing police and everyone has to write unit tests. <laughs> <laughs> we'll abide by my rule. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's you're better off in the long run, right? Like everyone's better off in the long run if your oh, tests absolutely. are covered, right? Uh, I mean... For the first, I don't know, maybe six months or so that we were building unit tests into EDD, we didn't really, I didn't personally see that much value in it. Like, I thought it was cool, but it's like, why does it really matter? Like, I mean, we know if our code's working. 
Um, mm -hmm. But then like the first time it caught a bug for me that we completely missed, I realized the value of it. Um, mm. Because it's going to go and do more tests and different tests than you're going to do every time. Yeah. So this morning, for example, I made a, I committed a fix or two to uh, some of the calculations for discount codes on purchases. Now, the test that I ran showed me that everything was run like my, my personal test. Like I'm going through the checkout process to see if everything works right. I'm redeeming the discount code. I'm completing the purchase. All of those tests work. But then all of our unit tests that ran in the background tested it in another five or ten different ways. Or even not necessarily different ways, but with different dollar amounts. Uh, I mean, sometimes a $10 purchase will work perfectly, but a $5 purchase will be a little different. For example, uh, this morning we were working with flat rate discount codes. And we actually we have a bug in EDD, and it's a, it's a known bug that we're going to try and fix at some point. Uh, but it only presents itself when you have an odd number of items in the cart and an odd dollar purchase amount. Um, and you have a flat rate discount code. So if we're going through a test and we're making a $10 purchase with one item, everything works great. If we're going through with a, uh, a $33 purchase and five items, it fails. Hmm. In this particular, like, a calculation just gets off by like one or two cents. Uh, and that's, that's an example where if we had a unit test in there to go and say, okay, let's calculate this on like 15 or 20 different dollar cent values, we'd be able to cap catch that. Right. In this case, we only caught it because a user just happened to have the right variation in their cart to notice it. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder, like, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, think, I'm thinking about this keeping unit tests up to date problem. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just thinking, like, maybe we should start writing our tests first before the code. I've seen a lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, isn't it? I think it's called test-driven development. Yeah, uh, TDD. TDD. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I thought that was just is is that is that what that means? Like to to flip it over? I think and... so. Yeah. Okay. Say basically, we're going to write our test and then we're going to write the code for it. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I think it is. Okay. Uh, I thought it I was would... just. I thought TDD was just. It just meant you you know have unit testing in place. But it, it might be. Anyway, uh, if somebody wants to correct us on that, feel free. Yeah, um, who's right? Is it Pippin or is it Brad? Vote now. It'll be a challenge. Uh, <laughs> uh, prob no, probably Pippin. I, My money's on Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> I do find myself actually uh, using that process in my development sometimes. Not so much where I'll write a test for, for my code before I write the code, but I will write it in such a way like I'll write my function to return the value or return it in the way that I know I want it or I need it, and then I'll write the logic inside of the function. Hmm. And I find that that helps me out because it's basically saying, okay, we have our starting point, which is the function. We know our endpoint is this return value. Now let's write a, let's write the logic that gets us from point A to point B. Right. I wonder if another problem with keeping unit tests up to date is, say, you modify a function, right? Um, and you changed its output, but you're not updating your unit tests to test for the new types of output. Is that that could be a problem too, right? Like we, absolutely, that would probably be easier thing to miss 
because with a new a new function you know oh it's a new function it doesn't have a unit test it's pretty obvious when you look at the commit right yep so Uh, how do you how do you keep track of those how do you uh not miss those how do you keep up to date um i know there's some automated tools is there one that you use no, I I just thought of this right now. We're, I mean, well, we're we're really early on in our unit testing, so it's well. I know. So, and I, I know that you're using this because uh, from our pre-show discussion. But uh, I think one of the ways that you can help catch that is is getting getting an automated unit test system built into yep. your workflow. So, out of the box, most unit test suites require that you go run the commands. So, like with PHP unit, you're going to go to terminal and you're going to type PHP unit, and it's going to run your unit test. Um, But one thing that you can do that helps you keep, not necessarily keep your tests updated, but keep, uh, maintain a passing build uh, is to have tests that run on every single commit. So every time you commit a change to GitHub or Bitbucket or whatever version control system you use, it triggers the unit test to run. Travis CI is a really awesome tool for that. Mm -hmm. So if you, uh, every time you commit, to, to your repository, it goes and triggers the unit test, which means that if you go and change a function and that breaks the unit test, but you don't run the test yourself, it's going to catch it for you once the test completes after you've pushed it to GitHub. Yeah. And that's really valuable. Uh, yeah. last, it caught a bug for us last night. Uh, last night, I committed a fix uh, and I was slacking. I didn't, I didn't create an issue on GitHub or or do my due diligence in recording what I was changing. I just committed it directly, uh, which was an error on my part. But I committed it, and it was kind of one of those cowboy coding moments where I didn't test it. I just committed and said, this is done. Oh, uh, you careless son of a... I know, I know, I know. Uh, but this morning, I saw a commit come in from, from Chris, and he says, I, the the error from the... the the build failing was driving me nuts, so I fixed it. And it turns out that I had committed a typo, and it actually broke the unit test. Oh, uh, so nice. The test didn't work anymore. But I wouldn't have caught that if our automated testing didn't run 10 minutes after I committed that change, because I committed it, and I went to bed. Right. No, I agree. Uh, automated testing is awesome. I don't think that will help, though, in the scenario I was just describing, where you change a function, and you forget to update the unit test, um, your test might still pass, right? But it's not testing the new scenarios that you've added to the function. That's what I meant. Do you know what, sure. Do you okay, know what so I mean? In that case, you just need to, make, you need to continue to update your function, I mean, your, your test, to make sure that they're thorough. Thorough and cover the entire function instead of just right. the, the sub, a subset of the, the function. Yeah, so... I think that's also a, a good case where um, if your function... If you need to write a whole bunch of different scenario, different assertions for your test in order to cover all the possibilities for the function, your function is probably too complex. Yeah, that's true. We've got we've got a few of those in our code base. Oh, oh, I think everybody does. Anybody <laughs> who has an advanced code base is going to run into those eventually. I mean, we have functions that are like four hundred lines long, and I think yeah. this should not be this way. Yeah, but it's a a nightmare to go and change it. Uh, yeah, but it. Uh, I think a tip that really, really helps people that are getting into unit test and get, wrapping their head around it is when you're writing to write testable code, keep your functions as simple and one or single task functions. Mm-hmm. A function should do one thing and no more. Yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, your, your, um, your test functions, 
it becomes really difficult to write the names to think of a name for your test function, right? If if oh no, it's easy. Well, I mean, if you have a four hundred function name, <laughs> I I know, but if you had a four hundred line function that does a oh, bunch that. of different things, then it becomes impossible to choose a name for your your test your yeah, test no. functions, right? Because they do so many different things, it's it'd be yeah. ridiculously long, right? Um, but yeah, Travis CI is is, I mean, that's the thing that made me realize, wow, unit testing is so powerful because one of the one of the things that it does as well is it sets up different environments. So it'll test PHP 5.3, 5.0, maybe even 5.2. I'm not sure. You can go back to 5.2. Yeah, I think we do 5, 2, 3, 4, 5, and now 6. So 5.6 down to 5.3, uh, down to 5.2. And so it'll catch things that have changed in PHP that... So if you're using a function, for example, uh, we, 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 we recently used parse string um, function, and we used it in such a way that uh, it wasn't supported in older versions of PHP, and the unit tests caught it. Um, so that was, that was pretty awesome, right? Um, it's, those are the kinds of things that you're not even going to catch if you're running your, PH, or your unit testing locally. Right, because you're probably just running it against 5.4 or 5.5 or whatever you have installed in, locally. In Travis CI, do you also test against uh, different WordPress versions? Uh, I don't. No, we do. We do not at the moment. Do That's you? another one that I would recommend setting up. Uh, mm. So you can. So for EDD, for example, we test uh, trunk 3.8 uh, and. Uh, oh, no, we do trunk and 3.8, uh, which I guess we should also have 3.9 in there. We just haven't updated our config. Uh, and then we also test it with multi-site on and multi-site off. Oh, yeah, we do. We definitely do that. I remember. So right now we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different environments that it runs in. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Huh. Oh, because yeah. We have, Sorry. We're we, doing 5.3 we, to 5.4. Yeah. And then we're doing multi-site on, multi-site off for trunk and 3.8. We have sixteen. <laughs> We've got uh, we we use uh, latest. I'm guessing that's trunk uh, and three point nine right now, and multi site on and multi site off. And I think that uh, and then all the PHP versions. So those three combinations end up giving giving us sixteen build environments. I'm gonna actually since I'm thinking about it, I need to go in and, and update it to do three nine and four point as well. Um, but it's, it's definitely having the, having those other, having those tests run in all those different environments. is just, it's really a nice, it helps you sleep at night yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just brings unit testing to the next level, right? Because you can't, I mean, it's not feasible for you to do that locally, right? I mean, you could cook your own system where you're spinning up, you know, vagrant, machines or or something and then running the unit tests on them i'm sure there's there's something out there some kind of framework that does that um but if you if you're willing to spend a little money uh travis ci is the way to go and actually if you're an open source project i guess you uh edd wouldn't actually cost anything right that's travis right. travis it's, it's would be free, free. yeah anyone that's open source uh is free so yeah that's it's good. absolutely worth it um 
if you're not if you're just getting into unit test or you're already well accustomed to unit test uh travis ci is absolutely worth it uh and get in your plugins written with unit test even even if you write a small plugin i think unit tests are really really valuable because it really makes you think about your code in a different way when mm -hmm. you're when you're writing when you're writing code it's really easy to just be like yep that works but not think about whether it works in a smart manner and PHP unit or unit testing makes you think about that. Makes you think about is it is this function actually working the way that it should? Or is it intelligent to have this function doing five different things? Well, try to write a unit test on it. The answer is probably gonna be no. Hmm. All right. Uh, so if anyone else has if you have any questions about unit test, um, we're gonna have things in the show notes for uh, tutorial series and things to go further get you started in unit test. Uh, don't hesitate to ask. Unit tests are can be super complex. They can be easy to get started, but then once you really get into them, there's so many different things that can come up. So if you have any questions, don't don't hesitate to ask. Um, I think one thing that we want to talk briefly about before we get closer to wrapping things up is WordCamp San Francisco is coming up. Uh, I believe it's this weekend. I, I'm kind of disappointed I will not be there this year. This is the first year that I haven't been there in a couple of years. Uh, but if you're going, it's an excellent event. Uh, Brad, you're not going this year, correct? I will not be going uh, because I will be here helping my wife with our six-month-old baby. It's a pretty good reason <laughs> to stay home. That's pretty much the same reason that I'm staying home. Exactly, exactly. Be, uh, I'll be heading out for conferences again in the spring once things settle down around here, but for now. Yeah, well, if anyone else is going, I know there's, uh, along with the normal WordCamp San Francisco, the Community Summit is out there this year, which is uh, a little different than it was a few years ago, and that this one is actually open to uh, the public. I think you had to get tickets for it, uh, but it's there, so there'll be some cool discussions about WordPress core, plugins, themes, et cetera, going on there. Um, anything else that you want to throw in, Brad? Uh, no, I think that's just about it. Uh, check us out on iTunes and drop us a five star if uh, yeah. if you like and, the show. That'd be cool. Um, go check out our 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 permanent sponsors as well. Uh, the guys from WP Ninjas are are really awesome. They're doing some really great work. Uh, Ninja Forms and Ninja Demo, as well as some other plugins. You can check them out at WPNinjas.com. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.